0: Let's get it. Blog Talk Radio. Let's do it. Yes, sir. I am so serious. Yeah. The
1: hyperbole is done. Now we can finally play the game.
0: A challenge.
1: Miller, the shotgun, gets free, on the air, tracks the Millers, loose, moves, Miller headed for the end zone.
0: Well played, sir. You're the real MVP. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, always, funny as always, welcome to the morning after good people. Uh, in case you're wondering and just tuning in to us, I uh, am JQ, the Ohio State backer of this program and my Buckeye title reign is officially over. Uh hats off uh to the Alabama Crimson Tide. And with me as always I got the Southern gentleman, the Georgia Bulldog himself, Mr. Dylan Short. What's going on, bro?
1: Heck of a game that was. We went and saw the 10 Lizzies. If you guys haven't been there, fantastic place. We're gonna have to do that again.
0: Absolutely. And and before we uh you know delve into it, I'm gonna tell you that we it was one, it was freezing for Georgia oh, Sanders. totally. And, <laughs> and we had – until was actually our third option uh, because everything else was sold sold out. And me and uh, Dylan had talked about it. I figured, you know, it would be a lot of eyeballs on the out at the bars here because, you know, we have two teams close to the Atlanta region and Clemson and Tuscaloosa. But, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes before the game started, you still couldn't get in and sit down anywhere. I mean, we had to really shuffle to get, get in there. So that shows you the power um college football here in the South especially and knowing it's our last game, I'm not really concerning myself with the with the senior bowls and the East West Ryan game because it's not the same. Um so I like Dylan said, we went out and watched it and for as bad as the semifinals were, that was a fantastic national championship game. Uh I know I don't think anybody had eighty five points being scored. Um I'll I'll come in later. I just uh, me and Dylan talked about it a lot. And I want him to, you know, share some of those thoughts that we that we had with each other while we were watching the game and give his you know, final wrap-up of uh, what he thought about the alabama Clemson game. It was a
1: fantastic game. I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off it. It wasn't one of these that was just one team. It wasn't like Ohio State-Alabama last year where it was one team jumps to a big lead, another team jumps out and scores more. This was back and forth the entire game. It, Deshaun Watson put up almost 500 yard 550 yards of total offense, I believe. You had Clemson mm-hmm. with a chance to win it late in the game, but they couldn't get that stop. Derrick Henry scoring the winning touchdown on that ridiculous second effort on the goal line. Just overall, just a great game. Just one little play call that Nick Saban onside kick showing why Nick Saban has balls of steel.
0: Yeah, absolutely, that was. And a, a friend of mine said somewhere Sean Payton was smiling when he saw that, and I'm sure he was. Um, yeah, and, and the other thing about it is um, at, a little under the radar from that onside kick is in that first half, you remember we were watching, Clemson was going to go in, and we talked about If they go up two scores, it's going to put so much more pressure on that Alabama offense because they're going to have to open it up. And Deshaun Watson threw that interception in the red zone, yep. and then Alabama comes right back down the field. And, you know, so that was a 14-point swing. Instead of being up 21-7, to 7, it became 14-14, to 14, and then you just had, you know, a slow face back and forth uh, but I, I honestly thought that Clemson would get more of the bigger, more of the big plays, and they had some good, you know, deep throws. But you're talking about a kickoff return for 95 yards. You're talking about Derrick Henry breaking one loose for 50 yards, um, and then you're just talking about the show that was uh, OJ Howard, five catches, 208 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, unreal. That was just insane. Uh, yeah, I, I losing I wondered, McKenzie Clemson... Alexander. Yes.
1: That's what glimpse oh, yeah. the Clemson the game, not having McKenzie Alexander back there to direct that secondary. Both of those OJ Howard touchdowns and the sixty-yarder that set up the game-winning touchdown were pure breakdowns in coverage.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say, uh, did they not have OJ Howard in the media book for Clemson? Because I mean, he's just running free, and it's not like you know he made spectacular you know leaping catch over the safety and turn and then take off. I mean, he's just running naked in the middle of the second game for Clemson. Open. I mean, ridiculously wide open. And that, and he and almost had to be because, you know, lost also in the shuffle of that game is that I, the, the, the defensive line from Clemson played one heck of a game. They stayed in the backfield sure of Aston Coker. Uh, they they played think. one heck of a game. Yeah. And it, for it as just, much
1: as Henry got loose in that first half, they shut him down in the second half. I believe it was something like 16 carries for like 22, 30 yards, something like that. Something ridiculous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I it, it I think the thing, the biggest thing I took away from it is, like you said, that that uh, onside kick by Nick Saban, because it just seems so out of character. That I don't just don't. Has he ever done something like that? Like that's like a left mouse move. That's not really a Nick Saban move. So I thought that was really no. out of character, but it was perfectly timed, and it was a fantastic cooch kick. I mean, that was almost like a, a quarterback throw, just like right over the top into the bucket. I, I mean, that takes a lot of skill. So you know. Again, hats off to Alabama and Clemson for basically saving the college football with that uh, playoffs, with that with that bowl game, with that uh, championship game. Because we talked about it last week, a lot of the bowl games were blowouts. Definitely the semi games, putting them on New Year's Eve, and then having the blowouts. I mean, it was really trimming down for what's always normally a big football bowl season for college football. And this really saves it. I don't think anybody saw a forty five forty championship game coming.
1: That's exactly what. College football playoff committee wanted. You had number one and number two play, and they played in one of the best games ever. I mean, to me, this yeah. is that USC Texas game at '05. I mean, this was just an yeah. unreal game. And really, you, when you think, when you hear the scores, you would think that in a high scoring game like that, it would be Clemson that would have the advantage. But do you realize that in his time at Alabama, They've given up 550 yards, at least 550 yards, five times. Saban is 5-0 and in those games.
0: Wow, that's an impressive stat. I did not know that. Uh, and when they were talking about him the other day, you know, four titles in seven years, and then you're going to include LSU 5-9. and nine, uh, I believe they say he has the best record uh, versus top three opponents of any other coach. And I thought, that to me, that's also impressive. If you have the best record against top three opponents, not top 25, not top 30, top three. So, I mean, he just has a machine. I, I just Especially in this age of parity. On. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, top three, having, having a winning record against all of your top three opponents is impressive. But having the best one of all time is, is like I said, there's is, nothing is to really say. Hats off to Nick. We don't have to like him, but he has a machine. He, I think he's clearly the best <laughs> coach uh, at, at this point. Uh, and let's also say hats so, off to Dabo, by the way.
1: No, yeah. no shame yeah.
0: in that game. Clemson
1: proved that they deserved their ranking throughout that entire season, and that Clemson team is going to be back next year.
0: I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. The only, way, the, only, the only way that anything crazy happens is if Nick says, I'm done, and I think that was going to go to Alabama because I, I think the people at Clemson already right. know that. But I think that Nick wants to have the outright more titles than Bear Bryant before he like I just, believe Yeah, and I just don't see any reason why he can't get there. I mean, given the way they're recruiting and just reloading, um, the only thing maybe is that you're losing Kirby, and I really think that in the next year or two you're probably going to lose Lane as well. I think he's rebuilt his image enough to where he can get another head coaching job, and and that fan base of that school won't say, what? Why are you doing this? I think he's done enough at this point. Oh, yeah, he can walk and leave no questions, and Alabama won't have anything to say, but thank you. Yeah, exactly. That's the only that's say. that's the only maybe maybe arm the arms you get with them is if you have to bring in two fresh new coordinators, right? And and have them put their systems in and then re- also rec- not necessarily so recruit to it, but have them buy in. It just takes a little time when you change coordinators. And I mean that's the and that's the only thing that, you know, people can pray for because Alabama has it has it absolutely rolling right now. Um so, for you that don't know, I am from Ohio. I am an Ohio State fan. I'm born and bred in Cincinnati, Ohio, and that wild card game on Saturday night about took the life out of me. <laughs> I'm just now getting back to normal, um, but that was just you know a ridiculous set of games. Period to have all the road teams win, um, and then the way Blair Walsh misses that field goal. Relations were in Dan, you know, and not in my degree weather. Yeah, I mean that's that's just heartbreaking for Mike Zimmer, and you know I love him him being the time of the Cincinnati quarter. It's like the stench. If you ever coach the Cincinnati, you're going to lose. Something stupid is going to happen to you. Uh, and then you have the debacle that is Vontaze Perfect and Pac-Man Jones. And don't get me wrong, um, I think that we talked about it before. I think that that hit by Sean Williams in that game was a legal hit. But I'm fine with you calling that an illegal hit, if you then call, call that on Geo, Exactly. But it can't be one and not the other. And there's no way in the split second you make that call. And then you give them the ball on the fumble. It was just uh, the Vontaze, went Bontez and how Joy Porter is on the field as a linebacker coach. When Antonio Brown, the wide receiver, is hurt. Like, okay, Mike Tomlin on the field I get, the, the training staff I get, maybe the wide receiver coach, but not Joy Porter. He's not even talking over there, trying to see what's going on with Antonio Brown. I mean, he's talking good stuff to to Pacman and the rest of the Bengals. So I, I just hate that it, it ended that way uh, in that game. That was definitely a, a gut punch. Uh, and then you know Kansas City starting the game off with a kickoff return again, and just whitewashing. Uh, yeah, I mean that 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 was just crazy when I happened. I, I literally said, "Uh oh, they're in trouble." I felt the same way about that game as when I watched uh, McCaffrey catch that pass and go 80 yards against Iowa. I was like, uh-oh, they're in trouble. Um, and then, which one am I missing? Um, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. He just woke up in the second quarter, right, and said, guess what? I'm in Aaron Rodgers. What am I doing? I'm not losing to Kirk Cousins today. <laughs> he just got hot. Yeah, that was my wrong pick. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's the – I'll, I'll do me a call, but I did pick uh, Houston because I thought – and clearly J.J. White wasn't 100%. And when in that ridiculous formation with J.J. Watt taking the wild hot. With, with, with that so <laughs> that's stupid. So, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, we talked about you talked about the free scenario, but I've never seen that, where you bring your two best defensive linemen in and let one be the lead blocker for the other. That is just pure desperation. Um, so Especially I, I, when I everybody on the that, field
1: knows if he's back there, he's getting the ball.
0: Exactly, exactly. And he's got a hurt growing, and you know he has a hurt growing, and you're still doing that. Like, I, 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 oh, that's desperate. Yeah. You go ahead and be gone, uh, Brian Hook. I think your time is done. Uh, but the, the the piece that I did get right, and I did pick Pittsburgh, even though I wanted Cincinnati to win. Uh, but I couldn't pick Kirk Cousins. Just I, I, I had to see it first. The same way with me not picking Cincinnati, I had to see it first before I could legitimize Kirk Cousins. That, okay, if he plays Aaron Rodgers again, now that I've seen him win once, I can maybe – pick him again, Uh, but until I see him do it once, I can't can't pick him, dude.
1: He's going to get overpaid this season. And it was kind of a dumb pick on my part because Kirk Cousins, for all that he did this year, has yet to beat a team with a winning record.
0: Right, and you're asking to beat one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the game right now. And I don't know if he's going to get overpaid. I think uh, if Washington is smart, they will uh, give him a cheaper contract on the Andy Dalton conference kind of scale where we'll pay you for your success of us winning the division and getting to a wild uh, wild card game. But Luke, there's no, no uh, too much loss on losing Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Green Bay's got a good team and Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to give him a lot of that money up front, and then if he starts to mess up uh, two or three years into it, they can get away without a big cap hit. Yeah, but Washington isn't smart. <laughs> Well, they just hired everybody from San Francisco, and he's the one, I believe, that gave that contract to Kaepernick. So he's got the blueprint because he started it, right? So maybe, which which you're right, as long as they can get, you know, Snyder out of the way and say, hey, go sit in the corner and get your pom-poms, just be cool, let us handle the football um, stuff. You know, I think that's what's going to have to happen. But I agree, you know, it's hard to give Washington the benefit of the doubt. But they seem to be on the upswing because Kirk has played better and then you got Deshaun Jackson, even though he killed him with that bonehead player at the goal line. Uh I like oh, my goodness. I like Crowder and I like Pierre Garcon. um and I think they're gonna let uh Alfred Morris go and let Matt Jones uh the forward to take the job. But I mean, as the offensive side of the ball, they don't you know, they are on the upswing now to keep everybody together and healthy and you know, give a little bit more help to that secondary. You know, I do like Breland from Clemson. Um they just got to get that defensive side of the ball, but for as much as Baz Washington watching his band, I think they're on the uptake.
1: I would agree, but I think that secondary is going to be their downfall. They've got a great pass rushing group through, and they've mm-hmm. got Kerrigan and Preston Smith, who, by the way, had one of the quietest eight-sack rookie campaigns. Nobody talked about him, but he just came out as a second-round pick and rushed the passer straight away. It didn't slow a beat. I mean, they need to kind of upgrade their middle linebackers. Perry Riley's nothing to write home about, but Overall, they get after the quarterback, and they can score the football. And in this league, that's about all you need anymore. Uh, if they can get their secondary to at least whether they're going to play better to just get more turnovers, I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. They'll be right back in it. Cause that division, with the exception of
0: Dallas, if we're almost healthy,
1: and not, that's a big if, there's nobody mm-hmm. else in that
0: division that really scares you. Exactly. That's 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 definitely a toss-up division, and I'm, I'm still not sold on Miangelo uh, in his move to safety. I know he's probably looking at Charles Woodson and trying to extend his career, but I just don't have a lot of faith in that guy. Uh, and I want to also, before we get off, to take my hats off to the job that Mike Zimmer did. and I know it was negative six degrees, and that helped slow down uh, that Seattle offense as well. But they gave Seattle everything they want, and outside that, Adrian Peterson fumble, and then the total shank. Uh, by Blair Walsh. Uh, I mean, they 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 have Seattle on the ropes, considering how bad Seattle beat them the first time around. So I want to give them a, a lot of credit for you know making adjustments and just coming out and, and being more aggressive, saying, "Hey, this is not going to happen again."
1: Not to cheat my own horn, but I did say that was going to be a close game, if you recall. <laughs> that was my prediction. You did? I did not predict one of the best kickers in Georgia history to miss a twenty-seven yard field goal. <laughs> uh, that was yeah that was and, not and,
0: way i wanted to see that happen i missed it badly i mean it's not like it hit the upright that was a horrendous miss i was like i don't know if you couldn't feel his leg That whole play was bad. there was the, it, it was
1: the holder who put the laces to him like an idiot he never put the laces yeah. towards the kicker
0: but that's a 27 yard kick blair walsh could make that left footed if he wanted to yeah, but did you see them uh, show the replays of all the other kicks? He did that to him before, unlike the forty-yard mm-hmm. kick On that the forty-seven game. He yarder, it and it he in. barely made that one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but you still, like I said, 20 something yards. You got to make that. All right. Yeah. So now that my my heart is uh, is starting to heal and I can move forward, um, let's talk. Let's look ahead to this weekend's game. Weekend's games, excuse me. Um, I think we're probably going to be mostly in lockstep here, but. I'm going to throw it to you here first. The Chiefs at the Patriots. Who do you got in that one? Um, let's see. Is Edelman and Gronk both healthy? Uh, Gronk is healthy. They, Edelman's been practicing for the past two, three weeks. I think they were just holding I him out. I think he was fully healthy. Right. And the other flip side of that is I don't think Macklin plays uh, for the Chiefs. No, no. Not him Mack- there to take some of that pressure off of Kelsey, then I don't, especially at Foxborough. It goes back to what we talked about last week. The same way I can't take her Cousins over Aaron Rodgers, uh, I'm not going to take Alex over Tom Brady. <laughs> I can't do it. I just and, – and you know I am not a Tom Brady fan by any stretch of the imagination. But hey, those two together, nah. And in the Foxborough, I'm going to the Patriots. Um, the Packers at the Cardinals, that is an interesting one now that, uh, you know, yeah, now that Tyrell Matthew is gone. um but again, and you know, we noticed in some of these games that the the second time around, after the you know the blowout the first time, it's a, it's a closer game. So I'm also on the Cardinals as well. As a takeaway, Randall Cobb, they don't have a secondary target. Exactly, and what we talked about some weeks ago that Green Bay wide receiver crew just as a unit does not do well against press coverage, and that's what the mm-hmm. Cardinals excel at. Um, and then you take the flip side of that ball. I like Carson Palmer with that uh, wide receiving core and with youth. David Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, you know, he just had to stay upright, you know, stay healthy, because people forget they were really good last year before he blew league. his leg out. Yeah. They were playing good ball before he got hurt, and then they just, you know, Drew Stanton, I mean, Drew Stanton. <laughs> Ryan Lindley, and then uh, exactly. Exactly. Logan Thomas. And Logan uh, Thomas.
1: Uh, who was yeah. the other quarterback they played?
0: They I ended up remember, playing four last here. It, it, it don't matter. If it wasn't Carson Palmer, it wasn't going to matter. So, again, I, I I agree with you. I think uh, in a closer game than before, but I think uh, Arizona wins. I, I don't think we're going to come anywhere close to having all the road teams win again. It's just the stats aren't going to bear that out to where that's going to happen again. Oh, but now we've got an interesting one, and I want to hear your take on this one. The Seahawks at the Panthers, who do you get? Panthers. Oh, even. you?
1: Even even if Marshawn plays, he's not going to be 100%. He's got to knock the rust off. That's a very real thing. And you're not going to run on that Panthers front. Um, Minnesota showed you that if you can keep Russell Wilson corralled, his receivers aren't good enough to really beat you on their own. And Norman is basically going to take away one side of the field. He just swarms. And there is really no answer for Cam Newton. I think I think the Panthers win that one. I think they win it by 10
0: Oh, see, I'm going to go the other way. I think the Seattle's going by 10 because Seattle excels at at run defense the and, and the best, and that's what Carolina wants to do. I don't know if um, Johnson Stewart is going to be 100% and the other Fossey Whitaker was banged up, and um, I don't know if Artis Payne is really ready for the moment. And I, and I give you that. The Tobert and Newton are still a lot to deal with, along with Olsen, and that's the matchup I think that decides the game can they continue to try to c- trust Cam Chancellor on tight ends? Because if you look at the That's numbers, Cam Chancellor has been getting rusted, roasted by tight ends, and Greg Olson is a monster. Uh, but you know what it is, why I say that about Seattle? Sometimes when you see a team win a game, they have no business winning, by like Seattle did, they kind of get on a roll after that, and you're like, wow, they shouldn't even have been this far in the playoffs if not been for X, and that is Blair Washington Smith. I just, I just don't know if, Carolina's really ready for it and the the, the injury to Johnson Stewart because Johnson Stewart was having a really, really good year before he got hurt in that office game. I just think this is Carolina's year. So you take them all the way.
1: I do, I am. I don't think that there's anybody really out there who has the I don't think anybody outside of Seattle want has any sort of chance against Cam. I think I think the best shot at knocking off the Panthers is Arizona. I think they've got the most balanced lineup, but I think they can take away David Johnson, and I think they can take away Larry Fitzgerald, and I think that's going to lead them going to the Super Bowl, and I think it's going to end up them and the Patriots, and I think Carolina beats England.
0: Wow. Okay, and, and my thing is that uh, that could happen. That could be that could be true. I just um, I just like the fact also that you know Seattle's been through this. You know, this is their third year; they've been past mm-hmm. two Super Bowls. Yeah, uh, going on the road to face Carolina is not going to be daunting to them. And I just think that you know, I think, you know, we all know the Cam can make plays outside the pocket too. Um, but I, I also like Russell Wilson's ability to make plays outside the pocket. And you know, I love Keagan okay, Junior too, but he has some of the worst hands for a wide receiver uh, this side of David Terror Bay. And you know, I could see him getting it open and just dropping the bomb. It's like he does that every game, and that could be, prove to be the difference. Uh, so I don't, yeah, yeah. Still go I with also John. think Seattle's yeah. a little
1: overrated. I think Seattle's been living off past accomplishments. Don't get me wrong, they're a good team, yeah. but everybody's counting them as like the best team in the NFC, and I didn't see it during the regular season. I didn't see it last week against Minnesota. And that was, that was a weather condition game where it should have favored Seattle, and it didn't. And Seattle had no business winning that game. You can't look at that team and objectively tell me that, they're better than Carolina, that they're better than Arizona. I mean, you, I'm not sure who they're I'm not sure how good a team they really are this year. Russell Wilson has put them on his back, but he's put up unsustainable numbers just to get them to this
0: point. Yeah, but the thing about it too, I think is that, you know, when you've done it two times, they're measuring themselves on being at the Super Bowl. So I think sometimes with teams like that you get those laws because they know they're not going to be judged on what they do in October and November. It's only going to matter what they do in late January and February. Uh, and then losing, they've had they had to, had to reshuffle. Uh Losing Jimmy Cram as he was just starting to click with Wilson Hurts, and then also losing Marshawn Lynch. Uh, so I think Marshawn Lynch has to come and play, and that definitely worried me last week. I think he just bitched himself. But I'm not going to hold it too much against him because uh, last week because that looked absolutely miserable. And we were outside having a smoke break, in 31 <laughs> degree weather, it's like oh my goodness, it is freezing out here. Can you imagine being outside and minus 25 six? Uh, I'm sorry, but it wasn't minus six. <laughs> so that that's a that's a real difference, and it just looked like everybody was moving at least a half step slower because it was so cold. Um, so I, I I wait to see what they're doing here this week against Carolina, but I hear you. I just think that you know I'm going to go with their playoff experience. That's what's leading me to that more to that take. Um, and the last one, the Steelers at the Broncos. I personally, you know I'm not going to pick the Steelers. But I really am not picking the Steelers because I think the Sheriff is back, and he looked like he was almost back to where he can be uh, against San Diego. But I think Pittsburgh is just too banged up after that Cincinnati game. Uh, big Wachelsberger has torn ligaments in his torn shoulder. and If you watch the end of that Cincinnati game, they really should just play play press coverage because I don't know if he can throw the ball more than, you know, 10 yards down the field. And you don't know Agreed. if he's going to get Antonio Brown back uh, for concussion. And they're San Diego Williams – it's still uh, highly questionable for that game. Uh, so I think they're just a bit too banged up, and the Broncos have gotten healthy, of course, by having to buy.
1: Agreed. I'm picking Denver as well. That defense, way too good for a banged up Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh was healthy, I'd pick Pittsburgh. But, I don't. one, Big Ben's only going to have one or two deep throws in him, and that mm. Denver defense can get after you. And uh, I don't see it. I don't know if Big Ben makes it through the entire game. If he gets planted on that shoulder once, I mean, you're going
0: to say hello to Landry Jones. And you can say goodbye to Pittsburgh. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Fitzgerald Toussaint and Jordan Jordan Todman played against
1: Cincinnati. That is not a recipe for success if you have to play them any significant snaps against Denver.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And some of that is, you know, again, the weather. When you know where you're going to cut when it's raining, it's hard sometimes to stay in your lane and be able to get back on those cuts as a defensive player, so the bench goes a little bit to him. And he looks all right. Since I had some decent runs, but it wasn't enough for me to say, you know, you're going into Denver against – I think that they ended up the number one-rated defense uh, in the league yep. this year. And Juan things playing the, thing, the Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and hopefully, that uh, you know, Marcus Ware can get out there and get over those back injuries, back injuries he's had. Uh, if you get both of those guys out there at 100% as bookends, I mean, good luck. They're, they're just tough to beat. And then they've got – you know, three number one picks uh, in, in the <laughs> secondary. So, uh, agreed. And you're getting T.J. Ward back uh, from the high ankle spring. So, totally agree. I'll uh, go with the Broncos in that one. I am going to turn the reins over to my man Dylan because now that we've gotten through everything else uh, here football-wise, and you just have to forgive us because we're not really on the NBA and college basketball yet. Uh, not with football going on, and we got time for that. You know, once. They get closer to the playoffs. What's on so those. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll pay them more attention. Uh, so now that we've gotten through the football, we're going to go personal here because this is our show and this is what we feel like. <laughs> and I'm going to let <laughs> <play> Dylan <laughs> talk about the because I think it's important that a lot of things got mad, especially with Atlanta trying to get back on the upswing and getting the 8-8 eight eight after that 5-0 oh start. Uh, and keeping Thomas Dimitrov, I think that was a mistake, and I pre- and I know Dylan thinks that's a mistake. Uh, but he's going to tell you why that is a mistake, and then you go ahead and make your own uh, opinion based off of his off of his stat. So I'll turn it over to you, brother.
1: There's no think that that's a mistake. It's 100% a mistake. <laughs> I mean, Dimitrov came in in 2008, and things started off well. He had a good draft class. um Still wasn't really playing the free agent game, um, which kind of should be a sign. But everybody thought they were going to install the Patriot way. All well and good, la-di-da. Since then, it has been a steady, steady downturn. This last draft class, we found out during the season, was surprisingly good. Uh, Grady Jarrett was a diamond in the rough. But just listen to these numbers, and you will see why Dimitrov had to go. I've written down Dimitrov's hits and misses. And I was very generous with the hits. And I was very generous with the misses. And some players I didn't think were good enough to be a hit or bad enough to be a miss, so I left them off. I have 77 players written down are misses. You hit on 22. And not only that, I went a little deeper. And I marked off which ones were first through third round because these are players you're expected to hit on. These, I don't think, really count as to how great you are as a GM. These are players that you bring in and they're expected to start because you're expected to hit these guys. Unfortunately, Dimitrov missed more of these players than he hit on. In fact, if you take out the first-round players, he missed on more than twice as much. Wow. Yes. So everybody knows Julio, Matt Ryan, uh, Jake Matthews, Desmond Truffaut, all those. He already knows that. Uh, His first year, he had a very good draft. He got um, – and I put Sam Baker as a hit because as average as he was for a high-round pick, and I believe he was a second-round pick uh, or a third-round pick, excuse me, he did start for you, and he was average. He wasn't horrible. He just couldn't stay on the field. So I gave you a hit for that. Uh, Harry Douglas, that was a third-round pick. Was good for what you got him for. He was a great third receiver, and he had a 1,000-yard season when he had to step up and be the number one. Uh, not eye-popping, but that's a hit. Curtis Lofton. Was a good linebacker for Atlanta. Two-down thumper, not a great <laughs> linebacker, but he was good. Thomas Day, mm-hmm. made a Pro Bowl in Atlanta. Didn't end well. Didn't end. Didn't last long because he, was, he wasn't a very well-rounded safety and you can't tackle, but that's another one I got for a hit. Willie Mel, you got to call him a hit. When he came in the league, he was good. Um, hasn't adjusted well since they've switched up to tackling. Uh, Weatherstone is good while he's here. Again, Mm -hmm. heard a lot, which is a theme with a lot of his hits. Um, I added Paul Warlow as a hit because he has started. Um, He's not any sort of good talent. He's a replacement-level talent at best, but he started. Schrader has been one of his better picks, an undrafted pick who just made an all-pro team, Uh, right tackle. Great pick there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I put Beerman as a hit as well Um, because he's played better than anybody thought he had a right to, again. Replacement-level talent shouldn't be getting 60 snaps a game at all. Uh, Don't forget, Devonta Freeman was a fourth-round pick. So, he's had some good picks in there. And, of course, you've got Matt Bosher, and uh, he did bring in Matt Bryant. So, those are okay. Ah, the misses are what's going to kill you. Robert Alford, third-round pick, complete miss. Although, now that i think about it, he may have been a fifth-rounder out of southeastern Louisiana. But I'm pretty sure he was a third-round, number 92 overall. Jalen Collins, I know it's early, but – The guy has no technique. The guy is so stiff in the if that he cannot play quarterback. There's a reason why he was not starting at LSU and barely saw the field. And I'm just going to name off some of the big ones as of yet. And if we have a little bit more time, I'll go into some of these other misses. Uh, Parade Derry, first-round pick, (laughs) bust. Yeah. Uh, Mm Chevis Jackson was a third-round corner, complete bust. Didn't make it two years. Dominique Franks, a fourth-rounder, missed on that year. And these are both in the same draft. Along with um, Chris Owens, another miss. Or Christopher Owens, not Chris Owens, the one who ended up with uh, Detroit. This is different Chris Owens. That was another miss Mm -hmm. in that same draft. Uh, Thomas Brown, even though he's my boy from Georgia, he got cut second year. Injuries played a big role. Akeem Dent, another one of my Georgia boys, but took him in the third round as a guy that can't cover and is slow as dirt. Prince Shimbo, (laughs) third-round pick. And your one job was to make sure you didn't have another dogfighting case in Atlanta, and you couldn't do that. Jonathan Massaqua, he was only a fifth-round pick, understand, but the way that ended, you got no production out of him the entire time he was here. Malachi Goodman is still on the team, but he hasn't done anything in three years. I, I don't think he's gotten to 30 tackles overall, unless you're counting special teams. Chris Middleton was another another cornerback that was failed. Dez Southward, another third rounder that failed. Uh, Yowen Smallwood, Tyler Starr, Marquis Spruill. These are all linebackers. None of them made the team. Tyler Starr is still on the team, but he has maybe two tackles. Maybe. He never gets wow. to play. Robert James, Spencer Adkins, more linebackers. The linemen. And this is gonna, I'm also going to count free agency because that's a big part of it. Tyson Jackson, Andy Levitre, Person. You spent a second-round pick on Peter Kahn. Lamar Holmes was a third-round pick. Mike Johnson, fourth round pick. Levine Toilolo, third round pick. He brought in Tony Moliaki and he'd never played. Jaquiz Rogers, He spent a fifth round pick. Not a not a bad investment. I could put him either side, but he wasn't much of anything when he had to play. Kamal Ishmael, he can hit, but he's not he's a replacement level. You brought in Dwight Lowry. You gave Dwight Lowry starts last year. Steven Jackson. Rasheed Hagman, he's got he was a second round pick. He's got the talent but he can't put it together. Ray Edwards. Leonard Hankerson, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's all the way through. I mean, there's there's no, there's no not much you can say. Lawrence Sidbury, Cliff Matthews, Andrew Jackson, another lineman that failed, Shan Schillinger that you actually took with a six-round pick when nobody knew who he was, Kerry Meyer, Vance Walker, Spencer Adkins. I mean, the list just goes on. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, you can't have this many misses and retain your job. I mean, you're, I expect you to hit your first three picks. That's not hard for anybody. I mean, that's just simple, but if if you want to be, if you want to be a good team, you have to hit in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. You have to hit free agency. You have to hit the undrafted ranks. That's what sets apart new England and Seattle and Carolina. When they have the talent evaluation and just the coaching ability to take these players and find these gems late in drafts. And you'll notice another you know, theme with those names. They're all small school names. Dimitrov is on this hipster bandwagon of, you can tell just looking at him, and he thinks that he has to take small school players. And, I mean, with that track record, how do you still have a job?
0: I I, you, I... I, I don't know, and the and the piggyback off of that, especially when you you know we all know that Julio's a stud, but when you give up that many picks to get Julio, then all you picks. really have to hit on the other picks because you only have so many. You got because uh, you've given so many away to get him. So when you give those many picks away to get one guy, and, you, and you're more than one guy away from being a perennial uh, playoff or a championship contender, and you miss on all those picks in the draft uh, that you have left. So you basically have a, a draft that you, miles, you could have just not shown up for, right? But we we're on vacation. And I love, I love Julio. I love Julio. Don't
1: get me wrong. But you could have seen where you are, kept those five picks, and you could have had either Des Bryant or Bebe Thomas.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: that's not, you wouldn't have fallen off on production at all. I mean, Julio is one of the shortlist best receivers in the game, yes. But you gave up five picks, including another first round and another second